the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? This is our first ever episode dedicated to a particular holiday with Halloween right around the corner. We thought we would come up with a list of the 10 scary things that we've seen lawyers do since we started the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Yeah, and do and things about lawyers and, and all that. So it's, and I uh, we made sure we had a rule and not that none of these can be scary good, all right? So they're, they're scary bad. It was my rule. I don't know if you agreed with it, but I, it was my rule. I, I, I didn't want to come up with anything that was like scary good, like, because to me that's just too, too uh, hokey. Well, this is fun because it's just you and me. We're on blue jeans. You're drinking your coffee. You're, uh, Hey, what, I meant to ask you, what are your kids going to be for Halloween? So Jackson is going to be Charizard from Pokemon. Hudson's going to be Georgie from It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, well, hopefully like, his arm won't get ripped off. Uh, yeah, well, that's, let's hope. Let's hope. And then Emma is going to be um, Jasmine from Aladdin. You know, when my kids were little, I was reading It, and we would go to the bread company in Webster Groves, and we would always park by the um, sewer, and I would say, hey, you guys, look down there. That's where Pennywise lives, down in that sewer, and they would, they would get freaked out. Oh, in our neighborhood, they, anytime they see a freaking sewer, they'll be like, oh, it's, it's Pennywise. And so, yeah, it's 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 a thing in the family. So are, do your kids still dress up? Just Nor. Nor's, Nor's going to be a cop, and her best friend Emily's going to be a robber, so they're going around together. <laughs> nice. Are you going to dress up? I might put my Superman costume back on. I did last year. I don't know what I'll do. Nice. I, I can't say what I'm going to be because Amy put out a Facebook post and she was asking people what they thought I was going to be. And so some people wanted me to dress up as you, which I thought would be kind of funny. Yeah, but you said you didn't want to scare your kids that bad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. All right, let's get to it. So the number one or one, the first thing that we see lawyers doing that are scary are lawyers doing too many things that they themselves don't need to be doing. Now, it's interesting, in compiling this list, these are all things that I myself have struggled with as well. So it's not like I'm saying I'm the only person who, or that I'm the perfect lawyer who doesn't do any of these things. But we Oh, this one you seen... do, this is the one you do the worst. This is your worst one. Absolutely. This is your, this is you right here. Number one's you. I'm, I am getting better at it, and I certainly recognize it in other people faster than I recognize it in myself, as so is often the case with most things. Um, but... Putting me to the side, we have seen plenty of attorneys, you and I, who just have this unwillingness to let go of things that they 100% don't need to be doing. And, and you know, we've talked about it before on the show. I, I know that there's a, a part of it that's only I can do it this well. 
But if there's ever something that's going to retard growth, it's that you're doing way too many things that you don't need to be doing, and you're keeping yourself from spending time on the things that only you can do. And if you're doing all the piddly stuff, then you're just leaving so many opportunities on the table, and you're just setting yourself up to stay small. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think they they think, or and we think, not just they, we all think that the opposite's true, that we need to be doing more, and the, in reality, we need to be doing less. I mean, don't you think don't, don't you think that's what the mindset is? I've got to do more. I've got to work more hours. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to do that. And the reality is you need to start taking all that stuff off your plate so you can be doing the, the, the things that, are, that only you can do. I think part of it is, is that people just feel safer doing the things that they've always done, that the risk of thinking about growth or about learning new skills, it's it's safer to just go do something that I've done for three years than to sort of be growth mindset and have an open mind as to learning new things and, and filling the space. If, I, if I'm not doing all these tedious things, then I'm going to have to think big thoughts and figure out bigger things to do, and, and that's sort of intimidating. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. All right, so let's go on to number two. Um, and I was I'm, I'm, I was a little hesitant to post this one, honestly, but um, I was actually shocked by how little solo and small firms make. And I don't know about you, but I they make far less than I thought. I, I, I really thought that the majority of solo and small firms were doing really well, and I don't think that that's true. I, I think that, um, and I don't know why that is, and... And with us uh, over the last few months talking to lawyers and talking about their pain points, and it's becoming more and more evident that that's true. And so I don't know. I was a little disappointed by that. Um, what are your thoughts on on that part of it? Well, I don't even think it's so much as us being disappointed. I think it's it's actually scary. I mean, I think that a lot of people are struggling financially. Um, you know, whenever I talk to Maddie Martin, who's out on the road talk, talking with lawyers all across the country, that there are real people struggling. And certainly people came up to me at the conference and talked to me about how just on a financial level they're struggling. So uh, I view that as one of our motivating um, purposes, you and I, is to help people make more money so that they can, you know, live a good life and be happy and healthy and take care of themselves. Because, you know, I've certainly been in those situations where I'm, doing the the shaking of the couch cushions looking for a change so that I can make payroll. Back in the old days, um, we certainly had that problem where I was, you know, looking for money to make payroll. And um, that's that's a very stressful, scary thing. So, you know, all the things that we do, all the talking that we do about marketing and improving systems, all of that is designed to try to help people make more money so that they can get away from this scary uh, aspect of practicing law and, and get into bigger and better things. And I do, and I don't want to terrify too much uh, people too much, but I, I do think that there's there are small things that people can do that will help them increase their revenues so they can make more money. So I don't think it's it's one of those things where we see these low numbers, but in most cases, if not all cases, they're fixable. I mean, it's something that can be fixed with a with a couple tweaks, and then over time, you're going to start making making good money. And so I I think that. There is hope out there, so people need to know there is hope out there. You can you can do well just making those small tweaks. All right, so the next one is the next scary factor on our list, which comes from a conversation, several conversations that I've had with Kent about uh, making videos, is that the number of lawyers who've approached us or approached me or approached Kent about uh, wanting to do YouTube videos 
um, is a very high number. But the number of ones who actually follow through on doing it is a whole different ball game. And I think that's that's this isn't just limited to YouTube. Is that a lot of us spend a lot of time saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But when it comes down to it, we don't really do the things that we know we need to do to grow our firm and to spread our message. And that that consistency is really lacking and the follow-through is really lacking. I think within our group we have a lot of people who are um, get excited about new things and they put to the side sort of the the bread and butter the the regular things that they should just do on a on a consistent basis that would really put them over the top i hope people realize like once you start doing videos it's it's easy i mean it's it is really easy once you wouldn't you agree like once you've got the system for it built up it's super easy to do you go in front of a camera you shoot a video no matter where you are and it gets edited and put, and put out there um, it's that initial fear of, of actually shooting the first couple videos that's the hardest part. But once you realize it's no one gives a damn what you look like in your video, no one gives a damn really what you say as long as you get you have a good message. They don't care how you say it, right? You can stumble over your words 30 times during the video, but if you've got a message um, and, and they're learning something, they don't care. And I think once you get past that, it's it's easy to do. I mean, would would am I am I being fair there? You have to make it easy. You have to set yourself up for success. You can't make it too hard. But a, a phone and a little tripod or a selfie stick is all that you need. And you're absolutely right when you talk about how lawyers obsess about their image and how things work. I got an email the other day that I posted in the Facebook group by a guy who said he really liked the one the ones where I was growing out my beard because it made me look like a regular person. And I think that's just such an important message is that. Your true voice, your true heart's going to come through if you do video consistently, and nobody gives a crap about what you look like if you're if you're given good information. And little does he know that you're actually a robot. So it's it's funny what he said because you are a robot, and you grew. How did you get that? How did you get that beard to come in? Was it was it something that they had implanted, or how'd that work? I'm not like you, little Lord Fauntleroy, taking <laughs> taking three months to grow a little bit of cheek stubble. I, I can grow a beard in about three weeks. Sure, whatever. Whatever. I almost snarked. I almost did. All right. So the next one is, and these, these, this one ties in with a lot of what we're talking about. Um, number four is lack of systems, and I we beat people over the head with this, but it is crucial. I I think lack of systems may be number one, um, and we didn't put these in any particular order, but this may be the most important thing. I, I think, just to put it very simple, without systems, there is no growth. There will be no growth without systems. Okay, you may get to a couple people in your firm and, and do well, but without those systems, you're you you're you're not going to grow at all. Um, and actually documenting everything um, from from start to finish and everything you do, so you could hand this off to someone else and they could do the exact same thing you do. That's crucial, and uh, it's it's so important. So from like we're talking about the videos, I mean. With systems, you get things done. With the videos, with with systems, you get your videos done. Without systems, you don't because it's sporadic. And, and systems includes, you know, putting things on your calendar to do them regularly, all that. Building in all these systems to make sure you do things right. We have systems for the podcast, right? I mean, that that's how we get the podcast out every single week. We, You and I shoot them. They're on our calendar every week. They get edited by Kent and put out. I mean, it, it, there's a system. There's a There's an assembly line to it. And so that we need to look at the look at our firms the exact same way. You're right. Um, you'll recall we had our friend David Fries on the show, and when we talked about 
we talked with David about systems, you know, I talked and I recounted a, a, an exchange I had with Dave back in the day when he said, you know, Jim, when you start to grow, you're really going to need systems because that's when you're going to feel the strain of the system. Um, when you when you have growth, you're going to feel your system strain because everybody has systems. Well, however, you whatever process you have, it might not be written down systems, and it might not be autom automized or automated or optimized or automated systems. But everyone has systems. So what you're talking about is documenting your systems and making them consistent across the board. One of the things we were talking about how we have three paralegals in the office, and we figured out that each of the paralegals does their job a little bit differently. And we're like, hmm, that's strange. You know, they've sort of built out, they've done things better. And so now we're trying to make that consistent across the, the whole firm. So systems are important. It's so funny that you came back to that because that's what you always come back to and, and that's your consistent message. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, it's always that, thing of spending more time to get your systems right so that you can speed up later on. We've systematized our lawsuits and we've gotten it down to a much faster process than it used to be. And, and that the two th great things about systems are uh, speed and accuracy, that if, you, if your system is really built out correctly, you shouldn't be making mistakes. And you can track things. I mean, it's with systems, you can track things. So um, while you were doing that, I was actually pulling up our settlement dashboard. I I had a pretty good idea, you know, a few years ago what my what my average settlement amount was, what my average fee amount was, but it wasn't really accurate. Now we we track that stuff really really well, and I can tell you to the cent what our average fee is on every single case, how long our our cases take, and what we can do with that information is we can because it's in systems is we can actually improve what we're doing, and we've we've increased Jimmy. This is insanity. We have increased our average fee by, I'm looking at the number now, and this is in the last 20 months, by about 85%, which is mind-blowing. That's and so awesome. That, I, and that's insane. And so we're able to, because we're able to track all this stuff. And so we're only able to track that because we have the systems built out. And so it's, it's, super, it's, it's super crucial. You, you've got to do it if you, want to, if you want any growth. And even if you don't want growth, let's say... Um, you're you're someone that just wants to have you and a paralegal, and that's it. That's fine, but you can better you can do better for your clients if you have all this stuff systemized, and so you can track everything. Because um, if if you do PI, you can get higher settlements. If you do wills and estates, you can do better wills and estates. I don't actually know how all that works, but you can definitely with systems improve your life and your clients' lives. I wouldn't want you doing my will and estate. That's no, for sure. you, no right. one, nobody does. Nobody wants me to do their will. No, not at all. All right, so this next one of mine, um, the scary thing that lawyers do, uh, number five, comes from the Clio uh, 2019 Legal Trends Report. Have you looked at this at all? Because we should probably do a whole episode on this. So someone had posted it. It may have been you. I don't know. Someone posted the stats on the Facebook group, and I, I, was, I looked at them. I didn't read through that big report because usually they put out a big report, right? That's right. They put out a big yeah. report, and, and that's what I want to talk about is the, the part of the report that deals with uh, lawyers responding to calls. So Clio knows that lawyers complain all the time about not having enough leads, and so <clears throat> they wanted to put that to the test because, you know, 80, 85% of the lawyers that they surveyed said that they could use more cases, and of course, 
That's what we hear about all the time. My buddy Dean Jackson calls it more matters. You need a, you need a more matter machine. And uh, they went ahead. They took it upon themselves to email 1,000 law firms. And of those 1,000 law firms, they also called 500, people, 500 firms. So basically, they did some market research to see how law firms were doing at responding to calls. And what they, what they found was that 60% of law firms never responded to the emails. 60% never responded to the emails. Only 28% of the firms provided clear next steps. And here's the kicker of all. 57% of law firms never called the person back. Well, tell me so, this. So were they, were they pretending to be a lead? Is that what it was? Yeah, they were pretending to be a lead. That's right. They filled out like an online form or they emailed the firm or the, and they called, they, they emailed all the firms and they called half the firms to get the stats on what happened. And, and I think anecdotally this is true. I mean, until I got lead docket, until I really focus and drill down on, you know, making sure that every lead is treated as a very valuable thing until proven otherwise, until I recognized and honored the energy that it took for someone to call or email us and until I poured resources into accurately and adequately following up with those leads, until you put that value into it, you're not going to get the return on the back end. We have somebody now who spends 30 hours a week responding to leads. That's all she does. And you've really got, and then we've experienced humble great brag. growth. Because, humble well, brag. It's not even, it's not even humble I'm brag. Key, it's, it, it needed to happen because that was one of those things from number one that I was doing too many things that I don't need to be doing. I don't need to be doing that, that bridge from, from, raising their hand until they actually come in for a consult. Her marching orders are get people who called for leads scheduled for a consult. That's it. And they want to do a consult. It's not like she's calling them to convince them. It's just the logistics of doing it. So I think lawyers need to do, do a much better job, a, a, according to the, the Clio report and, and anecdotally based on conversations we have, of just following up on the leads that they have. We spend all this money to optimize our SEO to to make ads Facebook ads to to you know go out and network you spend all this time and money but then when the lead comes in you drop the ball it's like preparing for a case for eight months and then taking the two weeks off before trial and putting your feet up on the desk and not doing anything no I, that's a good analogy I, I like that and then so I've done something similar to what you've done now where like I don't usually talk to the person until we they've gone through all of our criteria and answered all of our questions and we know it's a case. Um, and it's, I mean, we, all of that's done well before I even get involved. And I'm sure some people are a little, probably a little apprehensive about that. Um, anything you can say to make people feel better about that part of the process? Cause some, some people might think, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to talk to every single person because someone at the front end might, might miss something. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, my thought on that is you have to give that up. You have to be willing to trade the one or two missed leads for better overall responsiveness. So, um, I mean, one, you don't want to let good leads fall through the cracks. So I understand that as a fear. But you're not, if you want to really, really grow, I mean, you know, no one named Brian or Cave is answering the phone at Brian Cave. You know, I mean, Big, big firms aren't big because the owners have that small mindset. You've got to let that go. And then what you got to do is you have to figure out what tools are out there that can replicate or even do it better than I do it when I'm the one fielding all the calls or fielding all the emails. Um, that's just a failure of systems, and that's, those are lies that you say to tell yourself to 
um, keep doing things the way you want to do it. So that's a great segue into my next one. So let's, we're going to kind of stay on that same topic, but I'm going to, I'm going to segue into number six, which is not using automation. Um, I'm just going to be blunt. There is no excuse right now for not using automation. There's none with, with Zapier out there, which is a super easy tool to use. They make it stupid, simple for you to use. They walk you through step-by-step. There's online guides on how to use things with something as simple as Zapier um, to follow up on leads. You could, you could build out your entire process on Zapier. Um, I have not, I've got a part of it on Zapier, but people need to start using automation. Um, far, uh, far less people use automation than I, than I would like to see. Um, you can better your communication with your clients. You can improve your skills as a lawyer. You can improve your communication with your team with automation. You can do so many things with automation. And if you're not using it and you, you can, we're talking about making more money. There's two ways of making more money, right? Lowering your costs or raising your revenues. You, one way of lowering your costs substantially is through automation. Not everybody likes hearing this, but you can lower the number of people that you actually need to hire. Um, and so you could actually lower your staff count if you need to. Um, but you can also use those systems to raise your revenues by following up with leads. Because um, if you think about it this way, we know our average fee, right? And so everyone in the office knows what our average fee because I let them know on a regular basis. It went up a little bit. It went down a little bit. So they know that every time we miss a lead, that that's money out the door. And so we preach that to everybody. That that's a, the, you need to follow up with that lead regularly, and so um, having those systems with automation can allows you to regularly follow up with those leads. Automation is the key to scaling, as you say all the time. Um, you know, and automation is the way to free ourselves up and to buy back time that we spend. You know, Kelsey Bratcher always laughs about he'll he'll log into his Zapier account. And he'll count the number of hours that he's saved with all the zaps. Now he has all of his clients running through Zapier. He's literally figured out that through Zapier and all of his client work, that he has saved something literally, literally, 20 years of life. Yeah. That if someone was doing those things, and and anybody can do it. So Zapier and automation is fantastic. I know it's hard to find the time to work on improving your systems as opposed to just doing it the the, la the task just one last time. Um, but the other great thing that we've come across through automation is finding that we don't make as many mistakes, that you can really automate out a lot of the potentials for error and then you're just tweaking it and then eventually you just become the tweak master general where you're just fixing things as they need to. Oh, yeah, I agree. And will you screw up some automation when you first begin? Yes. You're going to, you're going to send off an email to, to a client and it's going to be the wrong email. That may happen, you know, but you'll, you'll, once you fine tune things, clients will love it. You'll, you'll be sending off emails to clients and they'll be so happy with you because you're communicating uh, so much with them and you never even sent the email. I mean, things as basic as that that clients love. Really yeah, good. and don't use that. Don't use the potential for a small error as a reason to just keep doing it the same old way. Oh, absolutely, no question. All right, so the next one, uh, number seven, um, the spooky things that lawyers do, the scary things. You know, uh, in our office, Tyson, we'll sometimes have clients who are very, very difficult, and a lot of times we'll let them go, and 
or, or they'll actually be our client through to the end, and they, they might not necessarily talk very nicely. And I'll say to Ashley or the other people in the office, I said, you know, we only have to deal with that person once every six months, but they live inside their head and they talk to themselves that way every single day. And after the conference, uh, I had a lot of people come up to me and talk to me about the ways that they hold themselves back or talk to themselves negatively. And um, I know that we're really hard on ourselves. We're all trying to improve. But there's really nothing to be gained by talking to yourself in a negative fashion. Um, if you've made mistakes, if you've had struggles in the past, you know, that's all just old old stuff, old news that does not need to be your future. And that filling your mind and your, your ears with negative things or, or being harsh on yourself, that to me is one of the biggest things that has struck me in the three years we've been working with lawyers is to see that the way that lawyers talk to themselves and I think that it's time to just let that go. Yeah, so it's interesting. So you're at, at MaxLawCon 19, your, uh, our presentations were actually very complimentary of each other, right? Yeah. Uh, and yep. it's, it was really interesting. We hadn't planned it out that way. It was not something that was planned out that way, but they were, worked really well because Lawyers do talk negatively to themselves, and it's it, it's unfounded. They shouldn't. Um, they should really – confidence, if you want to level up to the next level, if you really want to go to that next level and the level above that, it's 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 confidence. And it's, it's that positive self-talk. It's not the negative self-talk. And, and the reason why it's unfounded that people talk negatively about themselves is that, especially the people that listen to this podcast, they are – the the highly motivated they are the talented people right and they're wanting to get better and so they are on the top end they're the the elite of lawyers okay that you are if you're listening to this you are because you're trying to get better the bad lawyers aren't trying to get better they're set in their ways and they don't care right um, you are trying to get better and so you need to know that you're awesome all right you do you need to know that you are a superhero and that you can kick ass because you, you you're amazing and so um, you got you got to think that you've got to know that, and um, it's it's just all about positive self talk. It's what it's simply what it comes down to, is talking better about yourself to yourself, and and you will see huge gains over the next year if you do that. I don't want to beat I don't want to beat that like a dead horse, but that's just in a nutshell um, what it is. All right, next awesome. one, number eight. This and so I I don't know. This is kind of mind boggling to me. Just. The attorneys that they they don't know what to do or how to do it, um, and it's it's mind-boggling because it's not because the lawyers don't know what to do and how to do it. It's that for some reason we don't teach this stuff, right? In in, in law school they don't teach this stuff, and as the legal field has shifted over the last thirty years, we we've got to start teaching this stuff in law schools where they need more classes like your class at SLU, Jimmy where the, the law practice management stuff, where you actually teach you how a law firm works and how it operates. I mean, if they taught more of that, I think people would understand that they would, they would, and they'd be better uh, able to serve their clients and run firms when they get out of law school. And I just, it's, I think it's unfortunate. And, and luckily there are plenty, plenty of, uh, there's plenty of information out there. We've had plenty of guests that come on and, and teach those basics, but um, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of disheartening. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I was really excited this weekend. A new member named Matt Brown hopped on the Facebook group and talked about how he's taking an entrepreneurship class and how he was directed to write a business plan about opening a solo firm. And he was 
he said helplessly lost until he found the podcast so he's been binge listening and so i mean that's that's sort of why we did this we've been trying to fill a gap for the things that people don't know and and you know obviously one of the great benefits to you and I is that when we're struggling with something or we have a question about something, we just go find someone who's doing that and we ask them about it on the show. So it's like a learning lab for us where we're getting first dibs at great information and we're getting to share it with everybody else. So yeah, that's that's definitely a problem. It's funny. So um, I, I recently hired my wife. Um, she's our marketing director now and she'll ask me a question. I'll say, post in the Facebook group <laughs> or go search in the Facebook group. Because there's just so much information on that in, the, in that group, it's just amazing. I mean, it really is. I mean, I want to go back over the last three years and just see what things I've missed. Because I'm sure I missed things. Because it's just a wealth of knowledge. It really is cool. It's a great time to be a lawyer for sure. Yeah. All right. My last scary, horrible, spooky thing that I've noticed are lawyers who are afraid to take action and. I will say that a lot of our members in the group are action takers and maybe maybe some to a fault where we jump into the next thing a little bit too quickly. But um, there are some attorneys in the group that I've spoken with, and it's certainly outside the group, who no matter what have an excuse built up as to why X or Y or Z will not work for them. Oh, that won't work. I mean, Dan Kennedy talks about it all the time. That won't work in my business. And and I never really understood what he meant until I would connect with lawyers. Like sometimes I'll see somebody struggling on Facebook and I'll just call them up and I'll say, you know, you might try this, you might try that. And it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where they're, they're in this box and I'm giving them eight different rope ladders to get out of the box and they keep throwing the rope ladder back over the side of the, of the wall of the box because they want to stay in their little box. So um, usually that involves not wanting to take action. And, and, and I'm talking about things that don't cost much money or any money. You can do a lot of this stuff without a big budget, but that unless you're willing to do that, I mean, people could do an email newsletter with MailChimp for like $30 a month. That's nothing. Um, there's all kinds of things. We just got done saying it's a great time to be a lawyer. There's more tools and resources out there than ever before, but that unless you're willing to, as my good friend would say, stop the bullshit and <laughs> take some action, you're going to get stuck right there. I don't know. It, that's something that's frustrating on our end too because there are a lot of lawyers that are just so talented. They just need to, they just need to take action and do it. So get out there. If you're listening to this and that strikes a chord with you, go do something. Turn, turn off the podcast now and just go do something. Go do it. All right, so the last well, we one here, number is, 10. Yeah, number 10. I know, number 10 is uh, overspending. Um, and I don't I, – I think this kind of relates back to a few things that, that we talk about, you know, whether it's systems or whether it's not, not, not knowing what to do, you know. But sometimes we just like to throw money at things or we don't keep track of, of our spending. And there are two ways of increasing how much money you make, lower your cost or increasing your revenues. And if you'll just go through your bank feed, like bank feed, I'm thinking like Facebook feed, but your 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 bank records and just see, you know, what money you're spending, what what you know, what what are those monthly costs you can cut out? Because I guarantee, if you look at your your bank statement today, you can cut out five things probably that you don't really need to be spending money on, and that's money directly into your pocket, especially if you're a solo. That's that goes that money that money goes straight into your pocket, and so. Um, overspending is rampant uh, for solos and small firms, and I, part of it is, is that some people are in growth mode, and I understand growth mode. That's not overspending. 
um, I'm talking about just spending money on things you don't really need. Um, and so go through bank statements and get rid of those things. All right, Jimmy, let's wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to go to that awesome Facebook group uh, that we talked about. And then go and register for Max LawCon 2020. Um, we are going to pick a venue in the next couple of weeks, I think. And so we'll announce that. But it's it's going to be freaking awesome. So go and register there. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? Well, before I get to our hack of the week, I do want to point out that in that awesome Facebook group that you just mentioned, we went over 1,600 members. We welcomed 38 new members this week. So things continue to grow. Uh, you and I are spending some time. We hired a virtual assistant, and we're getting ready to um, apply a lot of the principles that we talk about our law firms to Maximum Lawyer, and we're excited about that. But make sure to join us in that Facebook group. It was exciting to have those 38 new members. I asked them all to say something about themselves today, and we'll see what kind of feedback we get on that. But for my hack of the week, I had one that I was going to use, but I'm going to use a different one because it's one that I really like, and it follows up on what you just said about overspending friend of the show, Jess Birkin, suggests that lawyers keep a spreadsheet of when all their automatic software renewals are. So have a list of all the software that you subscribe to and make sure that you know when the renewal dates are so that you can notify them if and when you stop using that software so you don't get keep getting billed. Um, it's sort of a proactive way of what you said of watching your bank statements, but it's also right along those lines. Yeah, I thought the spreadsheet thing was really, really smart. Um, I because I don't know about you, but I've been I, I've had in mind a um, a monthly subscription that I wanted to cancel, and I waited to, I wait till last minute. I wasn't able to cancel it in time, and then I paid for the follow, the next year, and they wouldn't give me money back. And so having that spreadsheet's a really good idea. Yeah, with maybe alarms or something. Absolutely. All right, so here's my tip of the week. Mine is very simple. All right. We talked about systems and all that kind of stuff and building out things. I want people to go and build one zap. One zap that you can nice. go to Zapier. Zapier's it's it's you can get a free one, right? You can go and do a free zap and just go build one zap and see what you think about it. You know, dip your toe in the water, see what you think. And I I, I don't know about you, Jimmy, I think they'll probably all fall in love, but um, who knows, maybe some of you will hate it, but just go build one zap. So all right, Jimmy, should, anything else? Should, That's it. Yeah, you should put that in the Facebook group. You should just have a little post about, hey, we're going to do a zap challenge. I mean, this thing's going this thing's going to drop tomorrow on October 30th, so see who, how many people can do a zap within the week. I like it. Okay, I'm going to – I will post that now. All right, man. All right, buddy. Good. Have a great week. We, you too, man. See you, brother. See you. All, right, bye. All right. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer to stay in contact with your host and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.